What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career, and in the meantime, joins the four million other podcasts on the internet, and the John Cast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of sports, play-by-play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John Cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. And welcome in. This is episode number 29 of the John Cast podcast. And I am here with DJ Shauna for episode number 29. What's going on, DJ Shauna? How are you? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I love that intro. I'm like all inspired and jacked up now. Let's go. Let's go, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So I started a podcast after I got let go from my sports talk job as the whole thing described there. Yeah. Um, back this summer. And this is this is what I'm doing right now. And uh, I'm having fun with it. And one of the things I'm doing, by the way, brought to you by Ian's Pizza. Yep. We all love Ian's Pizza. You're a big fan of Ian's Pizza. I, I know. am a big fan. Hi, Ian. <laughs> What's up, Ian? Um, so, uh, brought to you by Ian's Pizza. As always, you can go check out Ian's Pizza. They got a uh, three locations in Madison, also Milwaukee, Seattle, and Denver. If you happen to be in those areas, but the other big thing we're doing here today, DJ Shauna, and you get to hear all about it, is I've also partnered with Scani and Scani Nation cool. to come up, yeah, to come up with a uh, a T-shirt. So basically, what we're doing here is we've come up with five different T-shirts that we are going to release over the next five weeks. And each t-shirt kind of, you know, um, represents something from the state of Wisconsin or just the sports fan in Wisconsin. So the first t-shirt actually is dropped today. It's at johncastpodcast.com. Let me see if I can bring a picture up. If you're watching this on Spotify, we've got, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. There's the first t-shirt. It is a state outline t-shirt of the state of Wisconsin with Madison. And this is just perfect for the college sports fan. Um, obviously here in the state, if you want to, uh, you know, represent your favorite team or whatever. And, um, yeah, it's just a cool thing. It's 1999. It's at com, and it helps support the podcast when you go purchase a cool t-shirt. Once again, here, if you're on Spotify, boom, that's what it looks like right there. It looks comfy, John. It is. It is a tri-blend. You know, I had a whole write-up on it, and then I lost it. And I was, like, frantically trying to stall while I tried to find my copy that I had written about it, and I can't yeah. find it. I'll so, just anyway. speak for you. I've never touched it. I've never seen that shirt. I'm not getting paid anything. It looks super soft. It looks amazing. <laughs> it is. It's tri-blend. It's the tri-blend. Um, so it's really super soft, and it's really a nice fit. Um not like those big boxy t-shirts sometimes people get, but I, I kind of like the soft one. Although I, I am representing Wisconsin basketball today. Yep. Because of uh, DJ Shauna. <laughs> Thank known you. as Shauna Nichols, right? On the on the hardwood. Well, I'm still known as Shauna Nichols. You're still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. I think the, the two letters before my name have kind of taken precedence over number 40. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so what have you been up to? Oh, <laughs> what a great question. <laughs> um, and man, since Madison a lot. Um, goodness. I started DJing actually after undergrad. We could jump right into that actually if you wanted to. But um, I didn't. I, I guess that's that's kind of where my life has gone is to professional DJing. And I, the short end of the story is I got into DJing because I've never drank alcohol in my life. I've never done anything. I always had basketball. Mm -hmm. And after undergrad, I was hanging out with some peers at a local bar here in Milwaukee. And I'm like really socially awkward and I'm uncomfortable in situations like that. And don't know what to do with my hands. Like, uh, is that Talladega Nights? Will Ferrell <laughs> doesn't know how, what to do with his hands when he's yeah, doing an interview. Like I yeah. don't. <laughs> so that's how I felt. Or feel most of the time when I'm not DJing. And so I started um, at Walker's Pint and a guy there named DJ Rakti like took me under his wing. So I was in bars and clubs for about, I don't know, five, six, seven years, like hustling, just trying to get gigs. And I was training basketball players still as part of AAU program here in Milwaukee, a really great girls uh, basketball program, one-on-one -on -one Milwaukee with another Badger alum, Mary Nellen Trinellick. And, um, we, I love it. It's still like my family, but then, um, live entertainment, like, Oh, this door opened. And I, um, to be honest, I know we're, we're badgers, mm -hmm. but coach Caroline Keeger, who I played against when I was at Wisconsin, she was a point guard for Marquette. Her and I had been friends. 
Um, Mary Nellen's daughter, Nikki Nellen, was on the co coaching staff at Marquette. And I was like hounding Keegs about becoming their official DJ. I had learned about live entertainment and mm -hmm. Keegs was all for it. It took like two years for it to happen, as you know, like getting through, you know, just the process of everything. And I became Marquette women's basketball official DJ and host. And that was the first year I started working for the Bucks um, in support games. It was like six or seven games. Yeah. Coincidentally, that was the same year that I cold called the NCAA and became the women's final four official DJ. I literally cold called them. And they said, if you can get down to Dallas that year, we'll find some work for you. And then just start a really cool relationship with them. So that's like a me in a nutshell, what I've been up to. Wow. That's, that's so cool. It's so crazy to see how everything moves. And now you've gotten also to the point where if I could share this as well, you've gotten to the point, DJ Shauna. <laughs> oh, I know where you're going. You know exactly where I'm going to. I hope I you do. do. Well, you are the favorite DJ of the best basketball player in the world. <laughs> Thank you. Let's, uh, this is Giannis. Let's take a listen to this video. This is on uh, DJ Shauna's Twitter account. Who's your favorite DJ, Giannis? Oh, you. <laughs> DJ Shauna, by far. Not even close. She was in the All-Star game. All the best players in the world. She was right there, DJ. That's how you know she's the best. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> are you serious? Giannis I mean, gave I you... <laughs> I mean, I obviously I, I prodded him a little bit, but um, we have a really cool. I'm grateful to be a part of his world, and I love our relationship. Him and to be honest, like all the guys. And so, um, for the MVP, you know, and Giannis to to say that, even with a little poke, it's uh, yeah, it makes me it makes me laugh. It's very humbling. So thanks, yeah. thanks, Giannis. <laughs> Giannis is just he's the best ever. He's, he's just the best. Like, I don't care. You can have, like, maybe there are other players with better stats or whatever, but everything combined on court, off the court, I don't care. I think Giannis is just, is just the best ever. We could probably spend hours talking about him and how much I look up to him and appreciate and value him as a human, as a basketball player. Again, when you look like one of my, my favorite Giannis stories that I have nothing to do with him is looking at his rookie year picture and looking at pictures of him now. <laughs> And talk about hard work and dedication and buying in and that in, in itself. And then you add on top of it what he has achieved is just inspiring and incredible. And it's the epitome of get 1% better every single day. And I honestly try to live up to that as, a, as his DJ, like not only uh, professionally, but then being a part of some of, you know, the guys' personal lives and parties as well and being a part of their worlds and just never taking that for granted, but he, he's just very, very, very special human. And um, again, I'm grateful to be a part of his life and Mariah and their kids' lives. And it's, it's something that he is what you see he, him as. And I'm ah uh, man, I can't speak enough about him. He's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's genuine. He's yeah. genuine. And that, that quote he had too about being humble. Yeah. Where, you know, you look in the past, the future, and he tries to be in the present. Like, I think that was delivered during the NBA finals, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you might be right. I know yeah. for me, some of that stuff kind of all blends together, but there's definitely moments that stick out. And um, I'm not, I, I practice stoicism. So, and I've never talked to Giannis about this, but with him being Greek, I've, I've kind of maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm taking a shot in the dark, I'm guessing, but he, he speaks a lot about to me, a lot of things that are sort of uh, mirrored with stoicism in, in that. And, and I love, I love it. I buy into it and I'm here for it. And I think it is important. And I, I mean, another favorite quote of mine was after he won the NBA finals, I think he quoted, he's like, I thought we were going to be partying for weeks. And he was like, all right, what's next? And that's kind of how my brain works. And it's like this roller coaster of this, of this life. And it's, um, it's addicting and it's cool to watch. And it's, um, it's, it's really, it's, like I said, it's inspiring to be around and to watch how he, even when he steps on the court, how the energy changes in it, in an, an empty arena, pretty empty before like pregame when no, nobody else is in the arena. It's kind of him and Chris kind of start the, the workout regimen, if you will, before doors open for the game. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to watch how the energy just changes in, in that space. Mm. So you get to work around Giannis and the NBA's uh, world <laughs> champion Milwaukee Bucks. And you are going to, he, he, he talked about, you know, you being an all-star DJ in that clip and you're going back to the all-star game again in Cleveland this year. 
I am. I'm, yeah, how cool so, is that? Um, I'm, I'm stoked. It's a huge honor because the NBA is, I mean, chock full of talent, not just basketball players, but when you look at, I think, NBA entertainment, um, we're one of the most entertaining leagues in the NBA. When it, I don't know how many NBA games you have been to, but it's something that my eyes have been so wide open to. Um, and I never realized, and I never really knew before. And so to be a part of a league with, I can't say exactly the number of DJs, but every team I think has an official DJ. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Um, but some teams have more than one. Like I know like the Chicago Bulls, they have a really great crew of DJs um, as well as like the Pistons and, and Miami. So there's, there's a couple of like teams that have more than one person, but to be a part of a, you know, this NBA DJ crew is, is something that I'm really, really grateful for. And then to be selected for my second NBA all-star game is a really huge honor. I, I love working with the NBA. I got to go to the NBA bubble. Um, and so that's where my relationship with the actual NBA started. And it's just amazing. I think what they do globally, and that's what I'm really excited to like, hopefully get into too. Oh, okay. Like what part, like what doing what globally, like, do you want to be able to travel and represent the leagues. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they have yeah. events all, I mean, year round, but especially then out of season. So um, there's NBA Africa, there's the junior NBA. And so there's there's things that happen globally. There's even usually, um, actually, right before COVID, mm-hmm. I believe it was, I want to say France, um, the Bucks went and played a quote away game. It was a Charlotte Hornets home game in France. And so there's often too that crossover. I think the NFL does it as well. You know, like they go and play a, a game overseas. Yep. And so I, it's something that university of Wisconsin, that Jane Albright just really instilled in me is trying to continue to use my gift, which right now has become music and isn't a basketball anymore, but it kind of is in the same way as a vehicle to continue to travel the world. And that's a goal of mine is I just want to keep seeing great places, meeting really incredible people and eating good food while I hopefully play good music. (laughs) Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. If you can uh, get that going for the NBA, but what's interesting is you said all NBA teams, like if I, I, you know, I call college women's basketball games for Wisconsin, pretty much every big 10 arena, I think, by now has a DJ. Yep. But I remember the first time I saw a DJ at an NBA game, it was, I was at the Rose bowl with um, Wisconsin, Russell Wilson season 2011. Yeah. And uh, I had time and I said, I'm just going to go buy a ticket and go to the Clippers game. Cause it was the NBA, I think was on strike or something. So there was like opening night in January. Yeah. And um, they had a DJ there at the Clippers game. And I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. Look, they got a DJ. Like that's who so cool. put the DJ in the arena. That's so cool. I've never seen that before. And now it's standard to have a DJ because, you know, how does that change? Because in my eyes, it's always like the person courtside was usually like playing the music. I'm guessing, I'm assuming. And now, I mean, I'm sure that's a shared responsibility, but you're kind of in charge of, of, of putting down the right track at the right time. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big um, responsibility there. It, it is. Yeah. When you're yeah, playing for the MVP, it, then there's no pressure. Um, <laughs> it's um, so it, there's a couple of things I want to touch on that you, you mentioned, John. So one, it's really cool that you noticed that when you did in 2011 because of the trickle down effect that it has had. So uh, then you look at NBA teams. It started in Miami, which was really cool. They, I think the story goes, so DJ Irie is, is the pioneer in all of this. And he is a globally renowned DJ and the Miami heat brought him in because they, I, this is how the story goes. So like, okay. this is what I've been told by DJs okay. um, is that they were kind of competing with Miami nightlife and so that they wanted to make the arena like a nightclub so that people wanted to come to the heat games at the time. And this was 20 plus years ago. And so that's how the, the like ripple down effect has almost um, impacted all the way to college events and even high school, which is just really, really interesting to me. So, you know, fast forward now, 20 plus years later, all the NBA DJs, most NFL teams, most um, Major League Baseball, when you're looking at United States. And like I know 
the DJ, she DJs for national women's soccer events. And so it's just, it's incredible how it has transformed. And then it's now rippled down into collegiate basketball. So I was the Marquette women's basketball official DJ. I got to spend two years back at Wisconsin as our official DJ for football, men's and women's basketball, women's final four. So you look at all of these events, even wrestling, I got to do a volleyball game like at the field house. So it was just, it was so cool to be a part of student athletes day and what it has changed is, so I'm dating myself a little bit, but when I was at Wisconsin, I made like our warm-up CD and we had that CD for an entire season. We never really updated it, but it was, you know, like it was there. Somebody would put it in and when we started warm-ups, that's the music we would listen to. And so um, it's kind of crazy how it has changed, but different places have people yet, like you mentioned, like in charge of the sounds and, and like the thought that's going into that. But when you come to a Bucks game, every sound you hear, that's not a video or somebody else's voice is coming from me. Um, which is, um, really kind of cool. I take a lot of pride in the, in the sound that we have kind of curated for the Bucks games. And so I'm doing, um, not only the DJing part, so DJing pregame. So when the guys run out of the tunnel, even two hours before that, I'm DJing for them while they're warming up. And then into basically what we refer to as the show, like once the tip goes up and now it becomes a basketball game. Um, so all of in an NBA game, we could play sounds pretty much nonstop. And so um, all like the instrumental beats when our guys are on offense and then the defense prompts, um, what's known as a stinger when Giannis does like an incredible Greek freak move or Chris Middleton starts warming up or the same with Drew Holiday or Bobby, like I could go on and on. So they all have songs that either they have picked and shared with me that they want or I've picked and they've really bought into. And so, um, yeah, I'm in charge of like all of that stuff and then timeout music and so on and so forth. So it's crazy yeah. how it has evolved. It's really, really crazy. Yeah. And, and push a know, lot of buttons. Yeah, you do push a lot of buttons and you have a lot of responsibility and there's lots of different hand curated picks of songs and stingers and everything like people don't really like that sounds like a very um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's very intense type of job. Like, <laughs> like I think most people say would look at a DJ and be like, oh, they're just, you know, playing a couple of music tunes and that's that's it but you are into the, you have to watch the game yeah i mean you have to be into the game it's like you're doing play by play but with music in a yeah. way i guess i don't no, know No, you, you nailed it and i <laughs> i appreciate that I'm, i nerd out about it because i have so this is my third season with the bucks so my first season was covid year so i started you know that october tech officially or whatever actually it was like june or july and then, you know, started that season, we got to March and things shut down. And I don't remember how many months it was, but I didn't work, didn't know what was going to happen. And I got to go to the bubble. So I got to finish that season for 22 NBA teams. I was one of four DJs in the NBA bubble, which was just an incredible experience. So I DJed for 22 NBA teams when I was in Orlando for three months. And my learning curve just skyrocketed. Yeah. So to learn different shows and different sounds and how teams like their different their philosophies, really, it was like a crash course on NBA entertainment. We did so many video inter like um, meetings, if you will, with other teams, game event production um, directors that weren't physically in Orlando just to make sure we got it right. So I bought, I bought in DJing for the Miami Heat, DJing for Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero and making sure that what they, that sound felt like they were at a Miami game because as basketball players, again, we know how important routine is and that vibe. And when it was really pounded home by the NBA that we are going to try to make this as much of a um, home court advantage as possible without the fans. And so the sound played a really important part of that. And then coming out of the bubble, this last season started super quick. There was a shortened off season and then the Bucks decided to win an NBA championship, which was really awesome. So I just kept showing up doing my job and these guys kept making buckets and winning games. And then now we're into this season. And so to touch on the fact that it's, so I was lucky enough actually to do play by play for Wisconsin women's basketball out of undergrad with Craig Kashan. And um, I worked with Bob Brainerd for Fox sports net North at the time. And so okay. that's exactly what it feels like is like, I am almost uh, live like soundtracking this event as it goes on. And it's something that now, and granted it's only my third season, but the bubble, 
I was working two NBA games a day. Like, again, I can't even fathom doing that now, which is just, it's just crazy to look at. Like, I, I think there was a stretch of about, I want to say uh, something crazy, like seven, eight days in a row. And I had like 14 NBA games, which was just crazy to like think about. It was two games a day. And there was only one day where I had one, like that was a stretch that I worked in the bubble. And so again, when you look, I'm a believer of the 10,000 hour theory. Like you look at, you know, muscle memory, you look at reps, you look at like this, this, and this, the NBA game started to visually then slow down for me. Finally, it was like, I got my freshman year out of the way where you're just trying to stay afloat and you're just trying to like, Oh, there, there's the ball. Now where to go kind of like situation. And then now it feels like it's slowed down because again, it's live tracking it and it's, it's literally pushing buttons based off of not only patterns that I see, I think like in our guys, but, you know, kind of knowing the game, grateful that I know the game, I think as well as I do as a, as a player. So I nerd out about it. So I apologize, but no. it's, it's really fun. Like I, I enjoy it and I make mistakes. Um, I make mistakes cause I'm a human and pushing buttons and making a, a decision in a split second can be, you make the wrong mistakes sometimes or push the wrong button. So yeah. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. And then you just got to kind of probably forget about it and move on. So very what quickly. Does, yeah. yeah, very quickly. So what is, what is, what do you play when Giannis hits a, like a, is it different? Like if he hits a jumper or if he dunks or something, the same thing? No, his has been the same thing. So it's, uh, he switched it up when I first started. He had um, a Travis Scott song that actually his brother Thanasis has since taken over that stinger. Um, for this life I cannot change is the is the quote for Thanasis. But um, Giannis is notorious. So if you come to a Bucks game and Giannis does like a massive dunk, you'll excuse my lack of ability of singing. This is why I'm a DJ, but it's no, no, notorious. And mm, yeah, it, hits, yeah. it hits, that, hits that little riff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, all right, DJ Shauna. So, so you talked about that learning curve about how you kind of, you know, excelled at the bubble and, and now you feel more comfortable. So when did you know that you kind of wanted to become a DJ? Was there, was there a moment that you're like, I mean, you, you talked about also, you know, playing clubs and, and starting out like that, but how did you get to that point where you even went into the club? It's a good question. It started as a hobby after undergrad. And so the way I, because I kind of have a goofy story because I also don't, I've never drank alcohol. It was how I hung out with my, with my peers and with my friends. And so for the first two years I was in Milwaukee and it was just a hobby. It was just on Saturday nights. And then whenever Rock D needed help, to be honest, I learned everything about setting down equipment, tear, like take tearing down equipment, troubleshooting, like all these things it all, all of a sudden became this like, unknown amazing mentorship that I didn't know I needed and I loved it I love being like work, like doing stuff with my hands and I've always been infatuated to be honest like with hip-hop culture and learning about the history and learning and making sure I pay homage and and do things right especially as somebody that is white and making sure that um, I'm doing it the right way for the right reasons and Rock D taught me all of that and then my career actually I was medically redshirted at Wisconsin, the beginning of my junior year for too many concussions. But I kind of wiggled my way around that and found a way to finish out my two years of eligibility. And I ended up, I ended up at two different schools, but we'll keep it short. I ended up graduating from Bellarmine University with my master's degree in communication and finished out my two years of eligibility. So I was a 26 year old senior, which I just I loved. Like I got to play basketball. My goal was to play professionally. So yeah. While, while I lived down south, I was also DJing. Um, Division two for me was very different from Wisconsin, from a Big Ten, um, and so I had I had more free time. I had some more stuff, and I was you know in a space where I was used to making money as well. And so I was working again on the weekends when I could out out of season, and when my my um, eligibility was done in the spring and summer. I was in, again, bars and clubs, DJing, hanging out with my friends and like the Louisville family that sort of took me in when I lived down there. And then I went and played professionally overseas. And so the same thing, when my teammates or our men's team would go out, I would go and like find my way to the DJ and got to unofficially spin a little bit when I was in Holland and um, spend some time there, which was just another really cool experience, like to just 
be in those situations, like things that for me at the time, I'd only really seen in movies to go to like a club in Holland, like with my teammates and our men's basketball team who were again, national champions. And it was just, it was so cool. And then I came home and I didn't know what I wanted to do when my basketball career ended. I'm, I will be honest with you, John, I miss basketball. I miss playing basketball every single day. I joke that it's like the hardest breakup I've ever had to go through. There's some days I feel like I can play and then I, I try. And then the next day I'm on the couch icing and basketball's moved on to somebody younger and better looking. And so it's just like one of those things that like, I don't think that love for that game is ever going to leave. And I, I, I personally just didn't fit into a nine to five world. It wasn't something that was for me. And I knew I needed something that almost gave me that rush that basketball did is that you have patterns and you have, you know, routine and you have, you know, your, your stuff, but you're, there's still all of these things that change on a regular basis, whether that's traveling and, but then you go through your same routine before the women's final four, wherever they are that year or getting a gig in Puerto Rico. Like there's, there's just so many things that basketball has instilled in me. And that's all I've been trying to chase, to be honest with you. Um, I loved who I was when I got to be number 40. And so DJ Sean is definitely another alter ego. It's not who I am all the time. I think I'm really shy and I can be awkward. And when I get to be that alter ego, they put me on a stage at Summerfest opening for Lizzo. Like when I get to be that person, it's just, it's such a rush. And it's like, it's the best next best thing to putting on number 40 and being at the Kohl Center in front of 17,000 people. Um, and that's something that I just keep chasing. And so I don't know the answer to when I knew I wanted to do it. I just knew I kept chasing it. And mm -hmm. um, I probably, I mean, maybe when I learned about live entertainment, because, and this is no disrespect to bars and clubs, but it wasn't the correct lane for me. I wasn't, I wasn't super happy. I was doing it because I loved music, but it got really mundane for me after five, six, seven years. And I felt like I wasn't, in the right in crowd. I wasn't, I was hustling. I thought that maybe I deserved some chances and not that we're deserved anything, but I thought I was like, well, I've put some time in. Like I, you know, I feel like I'm like banging my head against a wall. And I was so grateful for Keegs to show up, to be honest, and to, to open that door for me. And, and so I have a lot of love for Marquette. I know that's hard for some Badger people to swallow sometimes, but, um, I have a lot of love for Marquette. I wouldn't be where I am today. And that it's just crazy how many doors have continued to open because Keegs made it happen. So, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. She, she was able to, to get you down this basketball DJing path. And you talked about opening for Lizzo. Like, don't you, don't you get nervous? I mean, that would be really intimidating. I think with uh, <laughs> what I'm assuming would be a packed crowd waiting for Lizzo and you're first to show up on the scene. That would be intimidating. It is. Um, it's just like, it's kind of like a game. And like I said, there's, so, for me, there's so many parallels. Yeah. Um, Lizzo's probably one of my favorite shows this last summer fest. I got to open for Shaq and then hang out with him. Because uh, Shaq said he goes by DJ Diesel and he's incredible and his whole squad. And so I literally, he let me be on stage, like in his DJ booth and I'll send you pictures. Actually, it's really funny because Shaq has a custom built DJ booth. And like, if he needed to go to the bathroom and needed me to DJ you would have to put me maybe on like a stepladder to be able sure. to just see the turntables like you have behind you to see the CDJs to see the equipment because I would be like a little kid, like reaching, like the, the photos are hilarious. They're on my Instagram too. And so it's, but back to your question, it's something that um, like once you get there yeah. and you kind of get going and the Lizzo show was one of the, my favorite, my personal favorite shows that I've worked like top it might be my favorite, to be honest, like number one. Um, she just has an incredible fan base, a very diverse fan base, which I love, which I think really connected with like my brand and my image and where I want to go. And I played honestly everything from Backstreet Boys to Whitney Houston to Nicki Minaj. Like it was I still have like that playlist if you will like in my my dj like program it's called a crate and i have it and i go back to that sometimes like when i feel like i need a little boost or something when i feel like i hit a wall at a bucks game and i'm like oh, i need something right now and that's usually like one of my go-to like help crates if you will okay um but it was amazing to uh it's one of those feelings where you put your hand up in the air and everybody screams and you're not sure why but it's <laughs> it's it's 
it's a yeah. rush, man. Like it's oh, a rush. Gosh. And uh, <laughs> that's something that I'm chasing just ridiculously is I want to, I think, um, not to sound egotistical or arrogant, but something that I take pride in when you look at like what I bring to the table, you know, we're taught that as an athlete is like, what am I good at and what do I need to work on? Yeah. And something I'm really good at is I make people happy. And I think being a female DJ in a very male dominated industry, I'm definitely a different sound. And it's something that I take a lot of pride in and that I'm just, I, I think, um, it's it's fun it's fun bringing a different sound and that's something that has been sort of reiterated back to me was that people have walked past events or things that they didn't even know I was DJing and in that moment people who have known me from the beginning of DJing they're like I knew it was you and it's just that like warms my heart which I think is just astounding wow so, that's pretty cool yeah it is thanks. pretty cool you know thanks. you talked about playing at the Cole Center too and on Sunday uh, the Badgers had 6,000 uh, fans. I saw up. that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was That's really so fun. Cool. Yeah, they played great basketball. I think they had 21 assists on 25 made field goals. Um, but that atmosphere there, that can be pretty special. By the way, next home game is Sunday at 3. There's three more home games left. You go to uwbadgers.com, get tickets, goes right to your phone. It's super easy. But that atmosphere, what can that atmosphere be like? Because I looked up the, the, the uh, average attendance when you played. And it was 10, about 6,000 fans as about that as the average. Yeah. So you guys could go above that. What's it like when that gets, when that gets packed at the Cole center? I think my freshman year, we were in the top 10 attendance, which was crazy in the country to think about the Tennessees and the Yukons. I got the, you know, like they were, they were still powerhouses and things like that. So I've talked to coach Mo about that. I was like, and I, and then I know she knows this, like there's, I, I was, we've, we've <laughs> talked before. And that's what I said. I was like, Mo, like I will be here for whatever I can be. And I'm excited to be a part of like the program. And as an alum, I'm so proud and I'm fired up about the direction that we're going. But I was like, people will buy in. And I, those Sunday afternoon games are some of my favorites because people showed up and that was, the, I will never forget my freshman year. And um, T just got inducted into, well, she's a legend. Mm -hmm. She's on the floor at the Cole center now. And I went to Jesse's um, hall of fame induction. And that's not to negate my other incredible seniors and Sarah Jerovic and um, Kyle, who's at UW Milwaukee as the head coach. Um, but it, it's something that I definitely take a lot of pride in. And like I live through um, the, I don't know the last time that Wisconsin women's basketball, I think was really was, uh, was a powerhouse. And, you know, we were ranked in the top five in the country at the time. And um, we did have a sellout game. I remember that game and I missed a layup in front of 17,000 people after my shoe got like stepped on and taken off. So I missed it in my sock. And so that's how I know 17,000 people were here. Cause when you hear 17,000 people go, Ugh, it's you feel it in your soul it's pretty forever, memorable. forever. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's the crazy thing is like i promise you it and and we play better i mean it's sports psychology 101 and like i understand it's people's time but i know that that fan base is there for women's basketball i mean it's it's there and they're doing it and they're moving in the right direction and they're I wouldn't say they're chugging along because I think they're doing better than chugging. And so it's so cool. Cause I saw pictures and that's how I knew I was like, Oh my God, like it lit my heart up to see like the Cole center back to for a women's basketball game, back to what I know it could, it yeah. could be. It's, it's, it's a different atmosphere when even yeah. the 6,000 and let's keep climbing. I mean, we can put more yeah. than that in there. Uh, it was really fun. So let's talk, talk a little bit about your basketball career. So rank these in order of your most favorite thing to do when you were playing shoot <laughs> pass or rebound pass pass. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause I saw a quote from Lisa stone talking about how talented of a passer you were in one of the articles I was looking up before Thank uh, you. the interview. So, so passing, why was it passing? Man. Um, as so pious, a kid here in Milwaukee with coach Joe Clausen, we, he preached take pride in our passing. And it's something that I watched today. And I'm going to share something with you, John, that it's again, it's crazy. I, I I'm kind of grateful. Social media didn't exist as well as much as it does sure. when I was, when I was yeah. younger, but there are times and games and moments where I <laughs> wish that we had, I had access to the, that, the, the, the film to be honest and uh, it's not arrogant but I take so much pride in passing 
I think, again, the parallel with DJing is I love making people happy. And I learned at different levels, I learned it's, it is a game and it's supposed to be fun. And so if I could thread the needle on um, a really beautiful like bounce pass on a backdoor cut or something I took a lot of pride in for me, what I refer to as like the flyer pass um, to get a rebound off the glass as a tall point guard and to take maybe one dribble, but to look up and I can see plays in my brain where Emily Ashball, my teammate, is running and she was, you know, six, four, six, five. And you just see this hand up in the air and she's already at the opposite free throw line. And literally just to like perfectly put it in her hand in stride and she just lays it up. Like I don't have to run down there and we don't have to run offense. Like, yeah. And everybody loves it. Like it's high fives. It's the game is easier than um, there's just something about it that it's, to make the unexpected, like the way that I felt, I saw the court. Um, and you, again, you learn tendencies of your teammates and, and of basketball and movement. And it's something that um, I love. Giannis actually just made a quote because he had this, I can't remember who we were playing, but he was double teamed on the right block. And he, there's two. So one, he had this goofy kind of like over the head, that ended up being a bounce pass to Grayson on the left wing and Grayson knocked down a three, but then there was another moment. And this, this pass sort of has become my favorite Giannis pass because he spoke about it directly. He again was double teamed and maybe he was in the front of the rim or he was on the left side, but he was kind of double teamed, but the way and how he knew, especially because this pass was to Chris, um, he literally didn't even look he he checked him like as like Giannis was coming down like before he got the ball so he kind of saw that he was getting there double team couldn't see anything didn't move his head and threw like a wraparound bounce pass to the right wing and Chris knocked down a three and Giannis said the quote was something along the lines like I could make that pass when I was 13 and that's something that like I I I feel that and it's something for me that, go, that maybe a lot of people, I didn't have a, a, a hoop when I was a kid ever. I was playing at parks all the time, but if I wasn't at a park, all I did was dribble. And all I did was bounce the ball off of things that I could bounce the ball off of. So you learn like how it comes back and how it moves. And I love the, where the game has evolved and how shooting has become such an art and watching Steph Curry play in person is such a gift. But I didn't have that as a kid for me. It was a ball in my hands. What can I do with it here to get it there as quickly as possible? And that's something that I miss. I miss that making yeah. the pass to you while you're flying on the wing and you knock down a three in transition, like that, like that smile right there. Like, you know, you know what it feels like. And that's what I love is like that teammate, that camaraderie and that physical connection that that ball from leaving my hands to your hands. And then like the ripple effect it has, whether you're on the, on the road or you're at home Um it, that's the stuff that I think makes the game really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. I mean, you're almost kind of describing there like your quarterback, right? Like you got yeah. your six, four wide receiver touchdown right there in the, the layups. Good. You know, what about like the under undervalued skills of basketball, whether that's like maybe some, something that shows up on the box score in a stat, maybe that's offensive rebounding, maybe that's field goal percentage. I'm not sure. Maybe that's um, whatever, or is it something maybe an undervalued skill of something that maybe fans don't see like leadership or, or hard work off or whether traits um, of that nature off the court skills, I guess. So what are the undervalued skills of basketball, whether it's on the court or off the court? I think that's a cool question. I think my career, I feel again, I got such a kind of a second chance at it and I learned so much at Wisconsin and I don't want to say that I, there were things that I regret, but there were things that, I, I take ownership that I just didn't, I didn't know. And whether or not somebody said it to me and it just didn't click or register, or I, I was never told, I'm not sure, I'm, but I take ownership over it. And so when I got to finish out as a, you know, 24, 25, 26 year old, I saw the game so differently and I saw team dynamics, especially at the collegiate level so differently. So I'm 26 playing with 18 and 19 year olds. And it's a very different space to be in. And so I learned a lot. One of my coach, Larry Just, was he became one of my favorite coaches. And he coached me at Lincoln Memorial University before I was at Bellarmine in Louisville. And Coach Just um, 
it wasn't that I thought I was better than everybody when I was at Lincoln Memorial. It was that I had, I had trust issues and it was, I know I can do this type of situation. Um, and I did, I did too much that year. And there was a time where he sat me down in his office and he said, Sean, if you want to be a great point guard, if you want to be a great leader, if you ever want to have a legacy, if you will, he used that word, which it, I don't have a legacy at Lincoln Memorial, but it was something he's like, you have to start trusting your, your under, your um, underclassmen. And it was something so that you can continue to build a program. And that was something that like really resonated with me that I carry with me as a DJ now. It's like, how, who am I, like, who am I helping, you know, when I'm, when I'm done, I, I can't be a DJ for the rest of my life. And so I think that is something that goes beyond the game, goes beyond the stuff that's in the, that's on the stat sheet that I think you, you don't often aren't privy to unless you are physically in that space on a consistent basis. And so it's leadership. It's, it's being able to, to take and receive constructive criticism and then do something about it. And that's something we all have egos. We're all humans. Like we all get our feelings hurt, but it was, he coach just just said it so well. And he pulled at my heartstrings in a way that I was like, it's like, it was like, damn, like I need to figure this out. And it was, it was also a turning point for me, like in the season and my teammates started having more fun and we started having more fun and maybe winning a couple more games. And so it was one of those things that I just really come, came to appreciate and value was sort of um, for as much as I enjoy being in the present, but also thinking about how are you going to make a difference and how, you know, it's one thing to go and like get mine. And I wasn't chasing that. I wasn't chasing, like, I need to get 30 points and I need to get X amount of rebounds. It was more just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to ever be disrespectful, but it was more like if I make this pass, they might not catch it type of situation. So I keep the ball in my hands a little bit longer. Um, and so, but learning to make that pass and maybe they caught it on the 20th try versus when I expect them to catch it on the first. Um, it was something that like, I took a lot of pride in and in, in being able to let that go. So that was just my personal experience on stuff, I, I think. But I think that that goes a long way. Um, I'm being a leader and leading by example. And that was in and knowing when to use your voice and when to use your actions and holding yourself accountable to a different level, like when you are a captain and, or when you are, I guess, like a leader in a situation. Um, you have to be held accountable. You have to be held to a higher standard than everybody else because you have all, all eyes are on you all the time. As we know that people are always trying to look for reasons to bring you down. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's something that's not going to show up in the stat sheet and no. you know, you, you know, you're not going to hear about it unless somebody else, you know, tells you about it. So that's, that's a pretty cool answer. I think. Um, so you. what is next for you, DJ Sean? I was looking at your website, man, you've got what do you got? Like bobbleheads? I do. You got <laughs> DJ Shauna bobbleheads. You can like tell us everything you got going on and what's next for you. Oh goodness! Oh man! Um, I I as I mentioned I think earlier, it's kind of addicting, and I'm kind of uh, dating myself by making this reference. But my career has been a choose your own adventure, <laughs> and there really isn't a blueprint for me. When I was in, you know, at Wisconsin, I didn't know that I could be a professional DJ in the NBA. I didn't know that like this job existed because it, maybe it did and maybe it didn't, or I obviously didn't know about it, but um, that's the kind of the fun part. And to bring it back again, to make it parallel with basketball, I was always taught because there are our eyes on you, especially at Pius, we were three-time state champions. We had a legacy there, like how many state championships we won. My freshman year at Pius, we were also ranked in the top five in the country. We were one of the best teams in the country. You constantly have people's eyes on you. And to utilize that, I guess, attention and that platform for good. And that is the other parallel that I try to do with who I am as DJ Shauna and the brand that I've sort of created and I think is authentically me um, and dare to be. And so dare to be is it's my clothing line, but it's also sort of like the mantra and the life that I tried to live by is to inspire you to be your absolute best self. And, um, for me to try to be my absolute best self every single day, just get 1% better. And so 
the really long answer is I want to release more music. So I released um, actually during the playoff run, my first official song came out. Um, it's called yeah. I Won't Give Up and it's uh, produced by myself, DJ Shauna. And then my friend Tanner Howe did help write it and sang vocals on it. And he's incredibly talented. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, oh, there's my website. And so the bobbleheads, that was a really cool um, sort of, thing that happened again during the NBA playoffs. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we have the National Bobblehead Museum here in Milwaukee. Yes. And they reached out and they wanted to make a bobblehead. And so um, right now it's a pre-order and all the proceeds, which are about five bucks, are going to go to one of my favorite nonprofits here in the city called Key to Change, which is to help our chronically homeless families and individuals, which brings me to what you're looking at right there in my store, which is um, I published that kid's book the adventures of Bob in downtown Milwaukee. And that is in honor of my um, late stepdad, Joe, who passed away unexpectedly from cancer in about like five months, about four years ago. But so that is um, uh, the book I published. It's, it's definitely a kid's book, but Bob went on an adventure. Bob was our family dog at the time. And um, all the proceeds. Are these, are these real pictures of Bob, the dog? Yeah, she would. Bob's a girl. Bob was oh, a girl. So, okay. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she legitimately would sit and like, we, uh, would take pictures. So like I could talk about grief and handling grief, um, until I'm blue in the face, but it was one of the best gifts like she gave me. And it like kind of chokes me up when Joe passed away is, uh, I started, um, walking Bob and taking care of Bob when my mom and Joe were kind of running back and forth to Mayo and doing, um, the, you know, the stuff you kind of go through when you're in the Midwest going through cancer. And so Bob and I would start going on adventures and I literally just started taking pictures of her everywhere in the city on my phone. And that's her, um, like wow. legit iPhone pictures. And, um, yeah, so all the proceeds from that go to key to change as well. And that's something that's probably my all time favorite project. Um, I've, I have a, a book over there. I don't want to get up and grab it, but Joe's pictures on like, you know, right away it's dedicated to him and, um, key to change was something that him and my mom were really invested in. And again, it's to help the chronically homeless families of individuals within the city of Milwaukee. And, um, it's something that I I'm really passionate about. And so those are a couple of uh, nonprofit, I guess, projects. Yeah. And then the clothing line, I'm really working on revamping. It's something that, um, I'm actually in the process of finishing up the paperwork for Dare to Be Foundation, which is going to be a nonprofit. To be honest, I'm still trying to iron out the details on that. Um, but eventually, once that's done, then some of the profits from the clothing line will go to the nonprofit. Um, but again, I just I feel like one of my purposes and things in life right now is to try to continue to inspire people and use the platform that I've been given um, to hopefully make this world a little bit of a better place than it was before I was here. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. I want to keep making music. That's the other thing that kind of goes back to, to DJing. Like I won't give up. I want to put out more music like that. I love the vibe. I love, um, I love the, the energy that it gives. It's uh, to me, it's inspiring. Like I wrote it in the middle of a pandemic and it's, mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite songs and, I want to keep, I want to DJ an Olympics. That's like on my, my bucket Ooh. list that I would love to get to. And so, um, yeah, I think I don't, I mean, I got coming up, like if you're looking like short terms too, so I guess, uh, in a, I don't know when this will air, but, um, I have the two twenty twenty two NBA all-star game coming up women's final four. I get to go to again this year in Minneapolis as the oh. official DJ, which I'm super stoked about to be there with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, we, we have an incredible buck season that we're still, you know, like literally in the middle of. And so while working on all this other stuff, and so I, I try to stay busy. I never really feel idle. My brain runs pretty constantly and it's kind of like, what's next? What's next? What can I do? And, oh, oh, oh one <laughs> more. Just, yeah, this one's, this one's pretty big. So, um, I actually am working on a, a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like a goof when I forget that, but cause it's like always yeah. it's been there. So after the bubble, um, is so indicative of the times, but I've actually never met my production team in person. We've become, we wow. became friends on Twitter through COVID and, yeah. um, they're, they're called Heartland and they're based out of the East coast. And so we actually are working on a doc project to share my story again, dare to be, to inspire you to be your best self, but it, 
excuse me, it includes the bubble. It includes kind of like my, me growing up in Milwaukee, my basketball story, my music story, basically a synopsis of today's podcast, um, as well as being a part of the LGBTQ plus community as a proud gay woman. And so um, it, that's, that's one of the biggest things that right now I'm trying to get off the ground and um, we're trying to put like a deadline on it because we're, we've been working on this since I got home from the bubble. So that's why it feels like it's just like everyday thing. Like it's just, this team has been so great, but that's something I'm really looking forward to being able to share. We've put a lot of time and hours and energy and like my, again, heart and feelings into that. So I was just like looking at my post-it note of things that I have to get done. And that's like number one. Number so one. there you go. Wow. Man, you're busy. You're busy. <laughs> yeah. You're keeping busy. I'm trying. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, this was so much fun uh, you, to finally get to, to talk to you. I know I asked you about this a couple months ago and we finally kind of, Got it to work together and we get to do the video and we get to show people things if they're watching on so Spotify. Cool. So it's uh it's pretty fun. DJ Shauna, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you to Ian and and um you know Scotty, like uh, it was really cool for for sponsoring the pod and for being being a part of what John John, what you're doing. It's really, really cool. And I'm happy that you're you're making stuff happen for you because we control our own destiny, man. So keep keep doing the thing. Awesome. I love it. Words of encouragement, positivity from <laughs> DJ Shauna. Thanks, DJ Shauna. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There you go. That was, uh, that was awesome. DJ Shauna. She's the best. She really is the best. And she mentioned Scotty and Ian's pizza. Ian's pizza. Always uh, check it out. Three locations in uh, Madison. Plus they've got uh, a location in Milwaukee, Seattle, and Denver. Love Ian's pizza. Working on something come this March. I'm actually meeting with Ian's pizza with Zach from Ian's pizza today to talk about that. So we'll tell you all about that. Don't forget the Scotty t-shirt. I had a whole write-up about this t-shirt. I don't know where I put my copy but that's what it looks like. It's the first of five. We're going to drop one every week. Shout out to the people at Scani, Troy, Haley, and Rishi for helping out um, with this t-shirt, with the design and with putting it out. And you can find that at johncastpodcast.com. And there's a link right there. And you can help support the podcast by purchasing a t-shirt. There it is, Madison. I mean, you'd want to wear that no matter what sporting event you go to in town, right? I mean, you might want to wear that on a summer afternoon and it's that tri-blend cotton. Ooh, it's really nice. All right. So we've got that Wisconsin, more t-shirt designs coming up. I'll have another one for you next week, but just let's focus on the Madison, Wisconsin one right now. Go check it out. Johncastpodcast.com. All right. I think I, I hit everything, even though I didn't save my copy that I wrote last night. Um, but I think I'm good. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.